Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww. Along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! Exclamation point. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours, too. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. Sergeant Temple. My name is Brad Kishinis. I'm actually trying to help a friend right now, and I, I need some information. Their children are on their way home from a camping trip with their aunt. They just called uh, my friend's house distressed, saying that the aunt is driving erratically. The aunt isn't picking up the cell the phone right now. The driving the car they think is having a medical emergency because she, she called and then she couldn't talk anymore, and she's got five kids in the car. Okay. The father and the husband are here, or the father and the brother are here at the station. Should be out police now on emergency. Accident. Route 117. Route 117. What is this? Pleasant Hill Road. That's nine. Ma'am. Hey guys. Wait a second. I'm just I'm not Route 117 here. at the Connick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are there any injuries? Um, I really don't know. Hold on. Let me check it out. Hold on. Hold on. Thank you. Um, honestly. Hold on, I really don't know. Um, yeah, there are. There's like little kids. There's the kids not moving. There's yeah. There's a whole bunch of kids. Honestly, the car smashed. Okay, I'll call. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 140 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wednesday. Uh, I don't know where that came from, but. Um, it's just 140, man. Like 140 episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. 140 isn't really that significant of a number. It's just kind of a random... I know, but it's just... Did you did you think that we were going to do 140 episodes of this podcast at the start? If someone had told me that we were going to be doing that many episodes, um, uh, I would have I thought that I was either just really determined in the sense of like... He, this this guy is willing to get up every Wednesday or whatever day we record mm -hmm. and record an episode of of uh, mysteries and mm -hmm. chit chat bullshit. Regard yeah. despite the fact that they only have ten listeners per week. Wow, that is some uh -huh. either dedication or insanity. But thankfully, we got a lot more than yeah. five listeners. We have yeah, thirty six listeners. But I, I, th I think you definitely probably be like, eh, really. You'd probably be like, yeah, come on, 140 episodes. <laughs> We'd be doing this for two years, yeah. Uh, almost, yeah, right. uh, like, <laughs> almost like, what, three years? Almost three now, yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm glad uh, that uh, we're we're still here and we're, we've hit, you know, 140 and here's to 200. Like, that'll be, you know, something. For, a two, we'll do for something 200, we're, we're going to have to meet in person for that one. <laughs> Which people don't believe it because of my seamless editing skills and the uh, tinkering we did uh, to, to get the best audio quality 
But um, mm-hmm. people don't realize that Mike lives in Washington and I live all the way across, literally the farthest point in the United States away from Mike over yeah. in Florida, which is like, yeah, like you couldn't get mm-hmm. any further away from where we live from each other. Yeah. Um, Mike. So anyway, uh, by design, there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, chit chat for this podcast. We're just going to get right to it. Um, the case we're going to be talking about is the case of the 2009 Taconic State Parkway crash. Yes. Which was featured on the documentary, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane, that we also watched and we're going to discuss uh, in comparison to the other uh, aspects of the case that we're going to be covering. Now, first off, I thought it'd be a good a good thing to discuss the documentary. The documentary is, I think I'm trying to remember exactly who the director is. Um, Liz Garbus, I think. Wiz. Yeah. <laughs> Liz Garbus. Oh, I thought you said Wiz, like Wiz Khalifa. No, I said Liz. Or I gotta take a Wiz. No, Liz Garbus. Oh, okay. Uh, so Liz Garbus, she directed uh, the documentary, and I, I came up with this idea because I was looking at a list of uh, doc- true crime documentaries online, and it was on there, and I mentioned it to Josh, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, seen that documentary. Yeah, I, I remember back in the olden days of having your cable set-top boxes whenever you got... Uh, Comcast or whatever, you know, cable provider you went through and you, you know, purchased the the cable boxes and, and they came with all the fancy channels and all that. And uh, HBO was part of that package. If you were, you know, uh, semi middle class like my family was, you could afford ooh HBO and Cinemax. Wow. Which looking back at HBO, like in all those cable networks, it was kind of like the worst like to me in my personal opinion the worst like format ever because you you never really caught a movie at the beginning with those channels <laughs> like you always like well i mean you'd have to know the schedule you'd have to know the schedule and if you didn't know the schedule then yeah you just catch it in the middle yeah but, and most people i feel like didn't like pay attention to that so you just like mm-hmm. jump in the middle of like die hard or something and <laughs> it's like well okay i i guess i'm watching half of uh, this movie yeah uh, um but anyway, then they introduced the on-demand feature, which I almost felt like was the true precursor to like Netflix, because the idea mm-hmm. of going to your menu and hitting on-demand, and then this, you know, well, also people, some people used to use TV Guide, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I mean, or the I HBO. I don't know. HBO anyone. actually had a guide that that subscribers for HBO used to use. I don't know anyone um, who ever used TV Guide personally. Yeah. I mean, but but anyway, been- <laughs> like uh, anyway, so what I would do when I would like work out because I, I worked out in my bedroom, I do like crunches and uh, push ups and like mm-hmm. bicep curls and shit. And while I was doing that, I always wanted to like watch some kind of interesting thing on TV. It made it go by faster. So I was scrolling through the HBO documentaries and, you know, it's just in general, HBO documentaries are like a cut above. Uh, your your average documentary. I mean, that's where Paradise Lost was right, aired right. initially. The West Memphis Three documentary, um, and Going Clear, uh, Scientology mm-hmm. and the uh, 
prison of belief or whatever. Well, also they're known for their original programming. Uh, one of their first breakout original shows, and in my opinion, really the first one that really made that much of an impact was Tales from the Crypt. So I've been rewatching that, and I really like that show. There, are, there are some really bad episodes, but that's yeah. that's the same for really any show, really. I mean, no show has like every episode is really good. Like there, there are plenty of shows out there that that have some pretty bad episodes. I mean, look at Game of Thrones. Look at everybody who's pissed at this latest season. <laughs> Dude, I don't. I don't even. I can't. I don't even begin to keep up with that show. I don't know what's. Going I didn't on. either. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just saying. Even Game of Thrones is not immune to that. Yeah, but it that 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 damn show has got to be one of the biggest hits HBO has gotten on its hands in the past well, like, exactly. decade. Well, I mean, The Sopranos is big for them. So was The Wire. Yeah. I, I always really loved Curb Your Enthusiasm. That was like my favorite mm-hmm. HBO original. That was such a good show. But it's before good. Tales from the Crypt, it was just stuff like Dream On and The Red Shoe Diaries. They weren't really known for <laughs> their original programming. They were known for being the network where you could flip to uh, a movie halfway through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that's what they were known for. But anyway, they had this, this, this documentary in their list of documentaries on the on, on demand mm-hmm. section or whatever. And, uh, I remember, you know, the title intrigued me. There's something wrong with aunt Diane. Like, yeah. wow. Well, uh, what's, what's, yeah, what's wrong with, what's her? wrong with it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's wrong with her? So I click on it. And you know they're 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 starting off with these nine one one calls and all these aerial shots. HBO documentaries, uh, they 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 all have a very yeah. I noticed this like the opening for uh, Paradise Lost. It had a very similar, similar to the opening for this one. Yeah, yeah, it was very similar. It has a very similar vibes, and I know it's like the a, overhead shot of the road in the in the woods yeah, or whatever. Like, I thought yeah. I was. I, I almost thought I was gonna see, <laughs> see those kids' bodies again. I was like, oh god, no, no more dead bodies. Although, well, you see a dead body. Oh yeah, you do. You one. see. You see. Uh, you do see a dead body in this one, yeah. and they show it pretty up close. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's that's pretty fucking disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. Um, so it starts off with all these aerial overhead shots and you just hear all these 911 calls yeah. coming in from people reporting that some lady or, or some some people thought it was a guy but they're like someone mm-hmm. is driving the down the wrong side of the highway and you know please send help and then pretty soon thereafter the calls turn into there's been a really bad crash mm-hmm. oh my god please send help there's been fatalities. There's several fatalities. Yeah. So that's kind of how this documentary begins, and then after that is just a, uh, a, a just that's kind of like the most climactic yeah. thing of the whole documentary. And then then the family members who are still alive, you know, mm-hmm. um, the husband of Di- Diane's husband and sister-in-law. Yeah. And the other so, family members, they, they... What I want to get at, you know, before we go even further into that kind of stuff, is just, like, uh, talking about, like, what was your initial uh, response and reaction to the documentary the first time you saw it versus the second most recent time? Uh, well, it was like I was telling you before, like, 
when when we when you were like messaging me or whatever beforehand mm-hmm. you're like you're like this this documentary is uh it's not very meaty you know and i yeah. i remember when i first saw it thinking that wow this is really crazy and it stuck with me for some reason you know well at the time and, and it still does st- it sticks with me but it, it's as a whole for me personally i thought it was pretty meh because of the fact that it just is all speculation it's 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 a lot of speculation and it's not as compelling throughout as some of the other true crime documentaries that i've seen because a large chunk of it is just the family members or the friends of of diane just spec being speculative about what happened and just burying their heads in the sand and just refusing to believe the obvious truth that's right in front of their face. Yeah, you brought up a great, uh, ti- a great alternative title for this documentary, and it could have just simply been called "Denial." Yeah, this is mm-hmm. this is this is like a a feature length uh, documentary, uh, basically about what we always talk about on uh, unsolved mysteries cases. Mm-hmm. Wherever there's a well, I mean, one of the one of the gals, who, the main gals who's interviewed, like she even says, like, "Oh, I loved mystery shows. Yeah, I watch them all the time." I'm like, I bet she watched Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the interruption, Mike. But anyway, um, we talk about on, on Unsolved Mysteries all the time. You know, whenever there's a suicide in the family, you know, whenever mm. there is uh, some kind of death that is ruled as a drug overdose, the family never ever believes it they never want to believe it there are very few times that i can recall them accepting it i mean i guess if they did accept it it wouldn't be on unsolved mysteries would it but well yeah you know uh yeah this this documentary though is like a prime example of just diane would never do that yeah the absurd lengths that family members are going to to try to explain away the most obvious truth it's it it is literally right in front of their faces this time around it's not like oh there's some things that are missing we don't quite understand everything that happened no it it is literally right there and they're like no they're all like plugging their ears and just going "La, la 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 no she would never do that she couldn't possibly do that. At the same and time, and it also ties into how a lot of people react to alcoholism, you know, or or other uh, forms of abuse when it comes to a family member. Like a lot of people, are just like, oh, they wouldn't do that, you know. Yeah. So I guess we should mention at this point that when Diane's body was autopsied, they'd found uh, blood alcohol. Well, first off, first time, what happened was the whole premise of this documentary is centered around this car crash, this horrific crash where she's going the wrong way and she collides into, I think, what is it, two or three cars? Yeah, it's well, she collides into one car that then hits a third car. Hits a third car. And there ends up being eight fatalities, uh, one of them being Diane, but the other being her, I think, her two kids and then some other uh, uh, family's kids. Plus these other people that were in the vehicles that were also uh, involved in the crash. And when what Josh was alluding to is when she was uh, 
tested autopsy when, when you had the autopsy and 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 they did uh, the blood testing, they discovered that she had a really high blood alcohol. Her blood um, alcohol level, level was point one nine, um, mm-hmm. and they also found marijuana in her blood. Um, yep. Now, and then the levels of that were really high too. Now I can say as somebody who uh, <laughs> has gotten a DUI <laughs> and has did the breathalyzer test, and they were able to t- determine my blood alcohol level was point zero nine. The mm-hmm. legal limit is point zero eight, and she's at point one nine. She was at point one nine, <laughs> which now, was I can tell close you close to toxicity. I can tell you when I got pulled over and when I finally blew in their breathalyzer or whatever. Uh, I probably had that night. <laughs> this is gonna sound awful, but I. The only thing I was suffering from that night was I was tired, but I was not. I would have made it home perfectly fine. I drove through a bad uh, city that was known for pulling people over. Um, So I don't want this to sound like I I was being an. I mean, what? That's what it kind of sounds like. Whatever way, whatever way you want to slice it, people out there are going to judge. They're going to say, "Oh, you thought you could drive," but that's what everyone says when they're impaired. I I could tell you, I'd driven. Uh, you know, intoxicated. All it takes is one time, Josh. Sometimes, you know, yeah, you, you think that you can, you can do it. You can look down at your phone for two seconds and run over someone too. I mean, yeah, shit. but I'm just saying. Anyway, not, we're not, not we're not here to have an indictment on Josh's pre- <laughs> previous 22 year old self. Okay, I could just I tell know. you that I probably had about 10 drinks at least um, over the span of uh, four or five hours. So by the time the cops pulled me over, you know, my liver had eliminated four or five of those drinks. So mm-hmm. the amount that I blew was about, you know, four or five amounts of drinks. Yeah. Four, so that was a point oh nine. So point one nine. Uh, you're pretty fucked up. Yep. You're that. Yeah. They, and they even said in the documentary she had about ten drinks. At, her body, her blood at that time was as though she had 10 drinks in yeah. her. And, and she was at the level of toxicity at that point. Alcohol poisoning, yeah. And now yeah. the thing about, the, the interesting thing about when somebody dies, their, their heart stops beating. Their liver is no longer pr- cleaning the toxins out of the blood. Mm-hmm. So literally, in theory, if, if you die drunk, you, st- you are still technically intoxicated and will yep. be until you decompose like you will yeah. always have that alcohol mm-hmm. in your blood because you're nothing is or drugs yeah or drugs or drugs yeah like nothing is cleaning it nothing you know it's not gonna go out of your system so because she was also high she also had a, a really high uh, amount of marijuana in her in her blood so and the uh, med- one of the medical experts that was interviewed for the documentary was talking about how that hot that you know even just a normal amount of marijuana that would end up exasper you know it really ends up uh, enhancing the effects of alcohol like it makes the alcohol even more 
effective it's when not, it comes to it, impairing it, your your judgment. They were saying and something like one and one doesn't equal two. In this case, it works more expo- yes. exponentially. Yeah, so it it's like a multiplier rather than an an addition. So, and I can exactly. This is another thing I can speak on. See, aren't you glad that you have an expert witness here on the podcast <laughs> with you right now, Mike? Um, yeah. So, because I, I don't drink or smoke. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've been doing too much of the drinking lately. I need to cut it out because it's starting to fuck with my uh, mental health again. But that's another yeah, story. Probably, probably not a good idea. Remember last time that happened. Yeah. So anyway. I have I have been drunk before and then smoked some weed, you know, while drunk. And yeah, uh, I can tell you what happened to me every single time. I passed the fuck out. I blacked out because <laughs> it's it's like too much. Uh, I guess too much depressants in your system. Marijuana is a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant. And well, also the marijuana, it, it just enhances uh, the effects of alcohol. So, well, I mean, like if you smoke marijuana just by itself, it's going to do uh, a, a various amounts of things. Same yeah. with like if you get drunk, it's going to do a bunch of things. You combine the two together and it's like you it's too many. You things. are. Yeah, it's too many things. <laughs> you are fucked up at that point. Like, yeah. you know, so and the the difficult thing or i guess the question as the viewer that they that the documentary leaves you with is you know here's all this hard evidence right by the autopsy mm-hmm. and they even get a professional to come in like the leading autopsy examiner yeah. whatever the hell old german sounding guy yeah medical examiner yep yeah, and he even looks over the autopsy because the husband and the sister-in-law, they don't want to accept it. They don't want to buy that, you know, she was high and drunk driving her kids and other people's kids. Well, I mean, the husband, I mean, goes to extreme lengths in, in certain parts of this documentary where he's even saying, like, that's not true. You know, I almost half expected him to be like Mark Hamill in, in Empire Strikes Back. No, that's not true. Yeah. That's impossible. <laughs> You know, it's like no, it is. Or or, Vader or Darth is Vader, your father, Darth Vader, in uh, episode three. No, yeah, yeah. Wait, was that episode three? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, Vader. Vader is your father, and yes, your wife had marijuana in her system. Yeah. So and, alcohol, and, and high levels of alcohol. So so it's pretty much established. That any kind of autopsy that was performed in all the drug analysis afterward, the forensics, it was done correctly, and yeah. s- and so what you're what you're as a viewer you're levied with these this hard facts mm-hmm. versus the husband and his sister in law and and they brought and, in and the friends of Diane and the friends of and Diane they, and, they brought in a bunch of people as like character witnesses basically. Those are the most interesting. Were the, the other ones? I mean, the ones that were really interesting to me were the other sides of the coin, like the family members of some of the other people that were involved in the crash that weren't related to Diane uh, in any way. They are like, no, this like this is clearly what happened. She was intoxicated. Uh, this is really insulting to me that the husband would keep going around being like, oh, there's there's a mystery and. You know, I'm trying to find out what happened. You know, like, no, we know what happened. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's 
it's it's it's easy to sit there and say because you you're the one who lost someone and and you feel it is the husband's spouse that was negligent and fuck you and that's kind of the attitude of most people and that's totally under completely understandable but then you have to be i'm just gonna be devil's advocate you have to put your own loved one in diane's situation like say it was my mom that was driving my niece you know somewhere and 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 she was driving well, I mean, the wrong here's side the thing. i i don't think i don't think necessarily the 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 family members of those victims really that's honestly what they are i don't think that they are saying that oh you know that diane is strictly just a horrible bad person i think they were just talking about how like the husband just needs to cut it out stop acting like you know there's some mystery or something behind this well the point that i was there's some medical you know explanation behind it the point that i'm trying to make is is that you know let me just let me just postulate if i will uh (laughs) if i may um you know, my mom ends up driving the wrong way down a highway with my niece or God forbid, that's like awful even just describing that scenario. But she gets in a car wreck. My niece dies. My mom dies. Everybody, uh, you know, they, she, they, they, they say your mom had 0.19 alcohol in her system and she was high. It's like, does my mom? Well, she doesn't drink anymore, but, you know, let's say she did. Still drink. Did, you know, does she drink every now and then? Yes, but she would have never done that with my niece in the car. And she would have never been high on marijuana with my niece in the, in the car. Like, she would have never fucking done that. But then you have all this... Shit happens. But then you have all this <laughs> forensic evidence that's like, no, that this, this is was found. There is no way that alcohol is found in your blood unless you ingest alcohol. So, and then they find a vo- empty vodka bottle in the car. That's the one too. The empty, the the empty bottle of Absolute. Yeah. So it's like when I saw that in the documentary, I was like, "Whoa, okay, all right." So, so it, that would have been like an immediate, like, "Come on, come right, on, man!" Right. And and it is to anybody <laughs> that's n- that that it's not happening to. Well, even if it was happening to me, I would be like, "There's a fucking bottle of vodka in the car." And I would be like, okay, there's the blood alcohol content. You know, it's tragic. And is it? does it mean that my loved one was an alcoholic? No. Does it mean that the things that I'm talking about, how they normally wouldn't do that, is not true? No. They normally wouldn't do that. But this isn't a normal situation. This is clearly something that happened as a mistake, an error in judgment, and it led to a really tragic result. But that doesn't mean that it was some unexplained medical condition or that you should go around being like, I need to exhume my my dead wife's body to figure out what really happened. It's obvious what happened. So you just need to accept it and move on. So let's get into the day of the incident. So at approximately 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, July 26, 2009, 36-year-old Diane Schuler left the... Hunter Lake Campground in Parksville, New York, in a red 2003 Ford Windstar that belonged to her brother. Riding with Schuler were her five-year-old son and two-year-old daughter, and her brother's three-year-old daughters, ages eight, seven, and five. Three daughters. What did I say? Three-year-old. Oh, God, I'm <laughs> stupid. I, I even read daughters in my brain. 
God, think about uh, think about that though. Okay, eight, yeah, eight, that's... eight, seven, and five. You've already put so much of your fucking mm-hmm. life into raising those kids. Like, I didn't truly yeah. appreciate this until like I saw my cousin having kids mm-hmm. and my brother having kids, and it's like all the effort you put into kids like in every every single day yeah. it's every single the brother day brother and the and, and his his wife weren't did not even agree to be interviewed for the documentary right they were just like no yeah i mean wh- probably because they had extreme thoughts about about diane they just didn't really want to share and i don't blame them yeah and the fact that the husband got close to maybe potentially you know saving them but was was just unable to so her husband, Daniel Schuler, left the campground at the same time in a separate vehicle since he had a pickup truck and took the dog with him. A co-owner of the campground later said that Diane Schuler appeared sober when she departed. On the way to West Babylon, Schuler stopped at a McDonald's fast food restaurant in a Sunoco gas station in Liberty. While at the gas station on surveillance video with no sound, it was reported that she attempted to buy over-the-counter pain relief medication, possibly for a painful tooth. And that tooth will make so many more appearances later on. But the gas station did not sell any. They don't actually bring up, I don't think they really like bring up the tooth that much in the Wikipedia, so we might as well just explain it now. So the tooth, painful tooth is, is an abscess. So she had repeatedly gone to, according to her medical records, she had repeatedly gone to the dentist to try to get it fixed. She had a root canal and I don't, it sounds like maybe she didn't get it finished or something or she did, but then she still had problems, which happens with, with stuff. I mean, I had a root canal done on one tooth and it failed and they had to take the tooth out and give me an implant. So Jesus. I know exactly what that's like. So, but for some reason, every time they try to clean the teeth, try to do more stuff with it, she would just quit. She would leave. She wouldn't finish the the process. And so she would just continually just deal with this pain. So the the husband's trying to talk to the medical examiner guy like, well, she had an abscess. Does that mean that, you know, she could have some medical cobweb because that lead to a stroke? And it's like, possibly, but there is no evidence for a stroke with her autopsy and he and he like is he's 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 politely kind of telling him to fuck off with the way that he's like he's using his hands to show like how big uh the 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 stroke would probably be on on a autopsy report (laughs) he's just like the stroke would be like this big like we would uh, we would see it like uh, it would be blatantly obvious yeah he and (laughs) and he was he was saying that He's like, e- even if even if she did have some rare medical thing that happened or whatever, people are always going to go to the alcohol first. They're going yes. to look at that first in the yes. autopsy. Oh, she had a painful tooth. Oh, this, that, and the other. That happened. What about this 0.19 blood mm-hmm. alcohol level? Well, the, the, the painful tooth, in my opinion, is uh, the genesis for the act that she did that ultimately led to this uh tragedy i i I do believe the theory i i don't i think i don't even think this is really a theory i think this is just this is as close to a fact as you can get she clearly went to the gas station looking for something and i think it was more than likely over the pain over the counter pain medication there wasn't any there 
which is kind of surprising because I can find a lot of different gas station, you know, a lot of different convenience stores that have pain medication. So that that's interesting that that one that she stopped by had none. Um, that's just weird she, that like they they don't have over the counter pain relief medicine. So it's like, well, I'm gonna turn to the next best thing, uh, booze. Well, that too, which is pot, which means that that that. That brings up the possibility that she really was having some alcoholic, you know, she was, she might've been a alcoholic at this time or had used alcohol before to deal with her, with the pain. And I think that's pretty likely she had used alcohol before to deal with the pain. So let me, let me go ahead here and I'll postulate more on, on this alcohol thing. Schuler left Liberty just after 11 AM traveling along route 17 slash interstate 86 in the New York Thruway interstate 87 entering the Ramapo service area and crossing the Tappan Zee Bridge heading east. Several witnesses later reported seeing a red minivan driving aggressively on Route 17, Interstate 86, and 80, Interstate 87, including aggressively tailgating, flashing headlights, honking the horn, moving in and out of lanes, and straddling two lanes. At 11.37 a.m., Schuler called Warren Hance, her brother and mm-hmm. father of three nieces from the van, she reportedly told him that they were being delayed by traffic. According to a police report, Schuler was seen by witnesses at approximately 11.45 a.m. by the side of the road with her hands on her knees as if vomiting. She was yep. seen again in the same position in a short time later, north of the Ramapo rest stop. And that ties into the whole thing of where this is probably where the things really started to get completely out of control. She drank the alcohol. Maybe she just uh, she like like somebody uh, mentioned in the documentary that maybe she just misjudged how much alcohol she was putting in her system. She was in pain, couldn't find the medication, and uh, didn't want to make that make it that big of a deal for the kids in the car. So she just downed the vodka. Maybe she thought that like by the time this shit really like kicks in I'll be home or something. That's a possibility as well. Because but if you she, if you drink she clearly underestimated the effects that it would the marijuana would have combined with the alcohol. Yeah, I mean she could have smoked she could have smoked the weed at the campsite. And then it yeah. and then it was time to drive home. I can drive high. I'm I'll be fine. Yeah. But then when the tooth starts acting up and you mix alcohol in with that then mm-hmm. you've made a deadly you know cocktail that you weren't prepared for exactly i also think that with the tooth thing there's a theory that was mentioned in the documentary that maybe she was dealing with an infection if it's an abscess then that is an infection that's an abscess tooth like that can actually kill you if you don't get that treated so she might have been dealing with an infection. There's a possibility she could have been dealing with a little bit of a fever, and then she does the marijuana, and then which is probably another way for her to deal with the pain. Which you know, and honestly, apparently it wasn't enough because it didn't it didn't seem to dull the pain enough, and it's not going to. Marijuana doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't like have anything to do with like numbing the the fucking pain receptors in your brain. I think what it helps is like with the anxiety, yeah, the anxiety associated the with stre- the pain yeah, and everything. Same with yeah. same with alcohol. Alcohol you you have to drink pretty much as much as she drank for it to really start numbing the pain receptors. Mm-hmm. Like a lot, like alcohol is not that mu- that big of a pain numbing <laughs> agent as people like to think. I mean, you got to be It isn't. You got to be pretty fucking drunk for yeah. it to be any kind of a 
pain numbing mm -hmm. agent and by that point you're so drunk that i mean that's not there are so many better you know hydrocodone would be yeah. a much better exactly you know, so for me it's frustrating with this particular case because it's like lady <laughs> get your teeth fixed yeah <laughs> like it just if she had done that none of this would have ever happened it's like it's incredibly frustrating um, and it doesn't seem like she couldn't afford it either. Yeah, so she was making, making $100,000 a year at her job. So it was just like, what is your deal? Like, you're in pain. Get it fixed. Get it taken care of. Why are you still dealing with it? Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. And she's supposed to be this one. Maybe it's a part of her control thing. Because they keep talking about how she wants to be in control. She always wants to be in control. Did she feel like she's not in control then? It, oh, I'm giving myself up to the dentist. And what happened? What, you know, she, was she afraid of something that might happen if something went wrong? Maybe she was upset because the two root canal didn't take. And so then she was like, oh, I'm not going to do that again or something. I, I don't, I really don't get it. it. It's, it's so frustrating, but at the same time, also really just like confusing. It's very confusing. <laughs> So at about 1 p.m., another call was made to Hans from Schuler's cell phone. During this call, one of Schuler's nieces reportedly told her father that Schuler was having trouble seeing and speaking clearly. And she and she even said, "There's something wrong with Aunt Diane. She can't see." Schuler herself then talked to Hans and said that she was disoriented and could not see clearly. Mm -hmm. Police believe that the car was stopped in a pull-off area beyond the Tappan Zee Bridge toll booths for at least part of this call. Hans reportedly told Schuler to stay off the road while he came to meet her. Follow-up calls from Hans to Schuler were not answered. For some reason, she left her cell phone on the yeah. highway. It was found by another motorist by the side of the road near the toll that, booth. That's a really puzzling thing. Like, what the fuck? Like, why did that happen? And also, there were other things, like it seems like from her phone, there were multiple different wrong numbers that were dialed. Is that a, is that, is it a possibility that some of the, one of the kids were trying to dial a number and couldn't get, couldn't get the number in time? Uh, or did, was she butt dialing? Or was there something going on there? Also, like it has to be so, I mean, especially for, for uh, the brother. Like, he, he actually was calling. He, 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 heard his, he heard one of his daughters. He heard her say, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. He heard crying, all of these things. And he's, like, and he's like, oh, shit. Like, I really need to get to the bottom of this. I need to do something about it. And he actually went to the tollway. And, but to no avail. Like, he was, he was too late. That's got to be so hard and rough for him oh yeah i mean yeah forget about it i couldn't even imagine and so investigators have not determined what route Schuler took from the bridge to the taconic state parkway ramps near briarcliff manor mm -hmm. why do you before you go deeper into that why do you think she left the cell phone uh i you know she was in some kind of a manic state yeah, she could have like uh, she could have been in in the state of delirium. At like that she point. could have been like having some kind of a panic uh, attack as a result of might it have even been hallucinating? I, I who knows? Like 
She could, the, the alcohol, like shit, weed in and of itself gives me panic attacks. That's why I don't smoke it. Cause like, I can't like marijuana gives me fucking panic attacks, but she could have, I don't know, man. She could have been having like a panic attack. And when you're like manic and freaking out, like you don't, you're, you're just like, you're, you're just fight or flight. Your basic instincts are kicking in and you're not thinking about things like, Oh, uh, let me grab my cell phone. You just, ah, oh, fuck it. You're just going to leave it. And you, you just, you know, you're just trying to but get the way it was the way it was left though. It was like in the side of the road. It wasn't like in a crack somewhere, you know, it, it's kind of like it was by, it was on one of the guardrails. It was on one of the guardrails. Was she outside or did she just toss it out of the car? No, it already like, said, what? like we already just went over how she was seen outside. Oh, yeah. like, oh, she was seen outside. Yeah. Yeah. So she just decided to leave it there. Yeah. So investigators not determine what route Shula took from the bridge to the Connect State Park ramps near uh, Briarcliff Manor. At 1.33 p.m., two drivers called 911 after noticing Shuler's van edging into the northbound exit ramp of the Taconic State Parkway near Briarcliff Manor. The end of the exit ramp at the intersection with Pleasantville Road is marked with two signs that read, Do Not Enter, and two signs that read, One Way. Within the next minute... Four more 911 calls were placed by motorists who reported that a car was traveling the wrong way down the parkway, going approximately Oof. 75 to 85 miles per hour. As a witness, that had to be just terrifying because you've just been, and especially even more terrifying if you were in that car. But like just the whole, like just being like, oh my God, like what the fuck is going on here? Like that, that would, you'd, I would have called 911 too. I mean, pretty much anyone would have done that. Yeah. In that, in that particular I mean, that, that is an like, emergency situation, I would say. <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, and in the documentary, they actually do interview the witnesses. And that, that's one of the more interesting parts of the documentary for me is when they interview the witnesses and get their thoughts on, you know, what, what, what their thoughts were in that scenario and, and so on and so forth. And, they actually play the audio tapes. There's this one guy who seems like he's straight out of the Sopranos or something, you know, and he's talking about, you know, how when, they, when he saw them going the wrong way, they have his 911 <laughs> call. He's like, what is he? he's like, Oh, Maron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah. So the van traveled South for about 1.7 miles in the parkways, northbound passing lane, meaning the fastest lane you could be in. Mm-hmm. Before colliding head-on at approximately 135 with a 2004 Chevrolet Trailblazer, which then struck a 2002 Chevrolet Tracker, at the time of impact, Schuler was traveling approximately 85 Shit. miles an hour. God that damn. is a suicide bullet. Schuler, her daughter, and two of her nieces were dead at the scene of the crash. The children did not appear to have been in car seats or even have had seatbelts fastened. Problem. Why, why? <laughs> I mean, she's supposed to be this uh, mother of the year, according to a lot of these people, you know, the family members and the friends that are interviewed and the kids aren't in, in seatbelts and they're not in car seats. And she was fine leaving the campsite, did not appear to be drunk. She, yeah. she appeared to be fine in the footage of her walking into the gas station yeah. Uh, you know, they went to McDonald's at some point before that. Mm-hmm. Fine, fine, fine. Now all of a sudden, then suicide bullet. Th- yeah. Then suicide <laughs> bullet. Now, now all of a sudden, the kids aren't even fucking buckled up. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're going the fucking wrong way down a highway. Like, what the fuck happened to you? Yeah, exactly. So, well, I think what happened. What happened is, 
is pretty obvious. She suffered from a severe case of delirium uh, brought about by the combination of alcohol and marijuana. So, also dead in the car crash were three men in the trailblazer, 81-year-old mm -hmm. Michael Bastardi, his 49-year-old son, Guy, and their friend, 74-year-old Dan Longo. The two occupants of the tracker suffered only minor injuries. Schuler's uh, severe, the Schuler, Schuler's severely injured third niece and Schuler's five-year-old son Brian were taken to area hospitals, where the niece died later that day. Brian is the only passenger of Schuler's vehicle to survive, suffering from broken broken bones and severe head trauma. He remained hospitalized before returning home in early October. He also has like eye. Yeah, he's got, uh, he's, got he's got some kind of a palsy in his uh, brain mm -hmm. that affects his right eye. But I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, surviving yeah. surviving an eighty five mile well, an hour. Well, he was he was on the bottom. Like they interviewed the guy who found the found the kids. Oh man, yeah, that poor like, guy. It, I, I I would. I mean, that's a try not to cry challenge right there. Yeah, really, really, because he he just so much genuine emotion. To and this day, he's choking up and cracking up, cracking, and I'm just getting choked up thinking about it because you're just trying to put yourself in that situation. Yeah, I can't. Just, I, I mentally can't, or else know, I would too. You know, they're they're all just piled up like cordwood, and, and and then pulls one of the girls off, and he's just like, I'm praying to God that she'll wake up, and she didn't wake up, and then. He just thanks God that the one kid was on the bottom. It's crazy to just think about that. Like they're just all piled on top of each other. Yeah, and then they show Diane. I mean, they show. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, they show like up close and personal. Uh, well, yeah, because they talk about that story where the guy went up there, opened the door, and she just falls right out. Yeah, and she looked beat the fuck up. She had like these huge gashes in her arms and her face was all swollen mm, and shit it, that was rough to see that photo those photos for sure yeah i mean you're looking at the photo going this person just killed a bunch of people because of some crazy shit they did and here they are right in front of me and i yeah. and, and i can't even ask her what happened yeah. i can't even because initially i'm not initially when i was watching this documentary i'm like oh alcoholic you know she was hiding it from her for from her husband and that could that that you know that actually there actually could be that could be the case in some ways, but uh, I was looking at it more as it went on. I was more looking at it as just a tragic freak event, where you know she was in so much pain she just didn't think about things. She didn't think she did not think things through, and it it resulted in this tragic and deadly accident. Yeah, so two men who witnessed the accident and saw, saw smoke rising out of the van mm -hmm. ran to assist the occupants. After removing Schuler from the van, the two men saw a large, broken, absolute bottle by the driver's side. The men tried to pull the girls out of the van and noticed they had no pulse. Because the children possibly were not seat-belted in and thrown together, the men did not even notice Bryce stuck under another child. Uh, or not Bryce, but Brian. Brian was the mm -hmm. only survivor of the accident. And he 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 was also uh, dealing with a lot of like that kid's definitely going to be in therapy for a while too. Yeah, I mean, 
how are you going to like look at your mother the same way? Like when you get older and like you, you have more of like uh, uh, the ability to create, uh, what is it like the, I'm trying to think of the right word, but like come up with your own reasoning for things like based on knowledge and stuff like that that you get when you, when you get older, like how are you going to be like, yeah, you know, it, it, you really, it would be rough. Could you just be like, man, like what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, I would really love to hear like a "Where are they now?" Yeah, you know, or uh, as far because you know that was mm -hmm. ten years ago, so it's like now yeah. now the kids probably like what is like teens, mid teen, yeah. teenage years. I won't it seemed to me that as the documentary drew further and further to a close, that the husband was maybe starting to come to a realization that she just messed up, she just fucked up. And, uh, but he didn't really want to admit it because, you know, it's just, that just destroys the image of what, of what he has of his, of his wife. And I get it. I totally understand. But I mean, I just think this is honestly pretty cut and dry. You know, what happened to Aunt Diane? Aunt Diane was dealing with a lot of pain due to, uh, an abscessed tooth. She had a serious error in judgment, drank way too much alcohol, and that combined with uh, the uh, marijuana just caused her to have this delirious episode where I probably think she was hallucinating. She was having a really bad trip while she's behind the wheel of a car, of, of a van. And I think that ties into the whole thing where a lot of people are saying she looked determined and she was glazed over probably because she was going through, you know, a delirious episode. Who knows what she was seeing? Maybe she was driving the wrong way. Maybe she was trying to drive away from something or drive towards something or, you know, they could have. They also some people say it's like a suicide bullet. And yeah, maybe she was trying to end it. I think You're I, not I, thinking I, clearly. I said suicide bullet. That was Josh. Yeah, you that did. That was Josh who said that. Exactly. Other people have said, though, that it, suicide. Like, it, was like, it looked like she was on a suicide mission. And yeah. All right. You want to you want to read mean, intoxication levels? Yeah, I can do that. So the investigation of the collision drew nationwide attention as Schuler's husband strongly disagreed with the conclusion that she was heavily intoxicated at the time of the crash. See... I get it. I understand that we've seen that a lot in Unsolved Mysteries, but like there are other instances, like it was mentioned earlier in that show, where they don't know as much. So it kind of makes sense that they might be like, oh, my son wouldn't kill himself, you know, that kind of thing. But like this is like cut, this is just black and white. Like she's, she's intoxicated. Yeah. I mean, the question really needs to be more of why, why was she that intoxicated? Not, not you know how not let's look for a a some freak medical anomaly no to blame this on it's like no why was your wife so fucked up sir that's the question you need to be asking not exactly not if she was it it's why yeah because that's what it's just constantly doing like if you know like oh no that's not her she wouldn't do that you know that's not diane and and uh, the other gal that's interviewed quite a bit in the documentary also is she, she's a part of that, too. So I, I, I think because they're probably really close with one another. So then that just kind of uh, really just makes that 
that whole sort of mindset that he already has, like even stronger because now he has somebody who's on his side and so on and so forth. I don't get why, especially if you're a single father now and you have this kid who already has his abilities, you'd be wasting all of this money that you don't really have to spend on these lawyers and all of these other things to try to solve some mystery that there really is no reason to even put that much effort into trying to solve. Well, again, you know, I get the other family members that are trying to go through, you know, go do all these different lengths to try to determine whether or not their kid was murdered or he actually committed suicide, especially some of the cases in unsolved mysteries where you find out that the, investigators really didn't go through the crime scene well enough and so on and so forth. I get that. I don't get this, this kind of extreme length. Well, this is almost like a, a, almost like a, a window into how social media has changed the things that people do as well, because by 2009, social media totally existed. And Uh, the husband and the sister-in-law, they were seeing all this negative stuff about Diane all all over MySpace or Facebook or whatever. Well, in the newspapers too. And and I think, I think, uh, that little bit in the documentary I thought was interesting because it showcased that, that, that side, uh, it showcased this, this part of these tragic events that we kind of try to ignore and try to act like, Oh, you know, that, you know, that's not really. Yeah. So I mean, like you could uh, even say, you could even say that if all that social media stuff hadn't been out there, basically calling her a murderer and an alcoholic and this and the other, it might, it might have, uh, not caused them to pursue this so strongly and be like, I am going to defend her honor and, and prove yeah. that, that she wasn't, you know, but at the blah, same blah. time, you got to think about it logically. You, you look, you separate the two. You look at it from the perspective of those are just people on the outside of the situation. They don't know everything. They don't know Diane like we do. And they're just looking at the fact that she was intoxicated. And that's what they're, they're basing that upon. You can't blame people for having that kind of mindset when that was presented with that kind of evidence. And not knowing... Uh, the same things that the other family members do about Diane. Like the newspaper report's not going to talk about what kind of person Diane was. They're not going to tell that. the 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 news uh, the the news reporters aren't going to be discussing any of that either. When when uh, the outsider sees that event on the news. Yeah, the, this is kind of a uh, this is like what they call that Occam's razor. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the most likeliest explanation is probably the right one. Yeah. I mean... So, the legal BAC limit... So, yeah, a toxicology report released on August 4th by the Westchester Medical Examiners found that Schuler had a blood alcohol content of 0.19%, with approximately 6 grams of alcohol in her stomach that had not yet been absorbed into her blood. The legal BAC limit for driving while intoxicated in New York is 0.08%. The report also said that Schuler had high levels of THC, the active ingredient in marijuana, in her system. She could have smoked marijuana as recently as 15 minutes before the accident. In an August 8th press conference, 
Daniel Schuler and his attorney, Dominic Barbara, initially denied that Diane did drugs or was drinking that weekend at the lake since several children were with them. Schuler then changed the story and consistently denied that his wife ever drank to excess or that he could have been drunk or that she could have been drunk while driving that day. Interesting. Okay. When Larry King and Oprah Winfrey asked Daniel about the vodka in the van, he claimed that they'd always kept an old bottle in their camper. He further stated that Diane did all the packing for the camping trip, so she must have moved the bottle into the van. That's I don't remember that's exactly what he said, because it sounded like in the interview with Larry King or Oprah, he's just saying, I don't know. I don't know how that bottle got into the van. I, I, I really don't know. I just remember him saying, like, she did do that stuff, but it was only every now and then, and she would have never done it, you know, it, and then he's talking about, I've been with her for 13 years, you know, I would have noticed. See, that's another another thing. That's an Unsolved Mysteries trope as well. You know, like, I would have noticed if my son was doing that, or blah, blah, blah. Everyone says that, but when, when, that, when, they, when the dirty laundry is aired, when the truth comes out, then it's like, well, here it is. And obviously you didn't notice it. <laughs> I mean, do you think it's do you think it's like an ego thing that 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 most people want to feel or want to think they know someone more than they might actually know yeah. them? Well, that also she might have actually had a drinking problem, but he didn't want to put that out in the open. I don't blame him for not wanting to do that. I really don't. Well, if he didn't want to put it out in the open, he I mean, he put himself out in the open by making all those appearances and this, that, and the other. Oh, yeah. He could have... But that's him. That's him falling on the sword. Yeah, and I mean, I mean he could have been like um, the uh, Hans, uh, the to Thomas Hans, the dad or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, whose kids also died in the wreck. You know, that they did not appear in the documentary. They didn't make any kind of a fuss about anything. Mm -hmm. They, I think, were just, you know, royally pissed off at Diane and her, you know, her family and her husband and all that. And they're just, I think they're just trying to move on. Meanwhile, you have the husband who is, you know, going to these extreme lengths. And, you know, once the court of public opinion determines that your ass is guilty... You can go on as many talk shows as you want. It's not going to change their opinion of you. Exactly. I mean, it's just he not. Did, he did himself zero favors by, by doing all of those appearances, to be perfectly honest. Um, and especially in this documentary where he just comes across as pretty dumb at times. And, you know, it's not, a, I'm not being, no, no disrespect to Diana or her family or any of this stuff. People can be dumb and grieving at the same time. Like we should not be as a society being like, oh, they're they're dealing with a loss, so they they can't be dumb. No, like you can be dumb. You can be, you can be dumb in that situation, and saying things like, oh, that that's not true when it comes to marijuana clearly being in her blood. It, it it's true, man. It's it's it it. <laughs> That's just just pretty dumb to, to to say on camera. That's not true. <laughs> so, um, especially when you're talking about people who are professionals who know a hell of a lot more about toxicology reports and uh, all those other things that you than you do. Are there rare instances where they make mistakes? Absolutely. Like on that episode of Forensic Files, where there was that one lady 
who, and I think it might have been an Unsolved Mysteries too, where, where she was sent to prison for killing her kid, her baby, because it seemed like there was antifreeze in the in the baby's uh, blood. Right. But then it's you find out years later that it actually is a medical yeah, condition. Yeah, it was a very weird medical condition that mm-hmm. turned uh the blood that something in the blood into you know a chemical that is also found in antifreeze and it's very mm-hmm. rare because i think it happened with like the second kid and uh, yeah yes. yeah so yeah so yeah there are exceptions to the rule but it's like like you know you have better chance of getting struck by lightning or winning the 99.9 percent of the time when it comes to toxicology reports probably well no, probably not 99 point probably 95 or 98. It's usually correct. So, continuing with, with uh, th- this, the gas station, so the campground co-owner, who knew the Schulers well, uh, saw them off at approximately 9 a.m. that morning, stated that Diane appeared sober. She really might as well have been. Uh, and he also, yeah, he, he did, Daniel did eventually admit that his wife had been drinking during the camping trip, but he denied that Diane had anything to drink on the day preceding the crash. That just seems fishy too, that like, oh, all this time, no, she doesn't drink, blah, 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 didn't drink at all in the campground, blah, 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 around the kids. And then they're like, then he's like, no, she did. You know, we did have some beers. So why don't you just say that at first? Like, (laughs) well, because... I, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like the guy thought like a, a bit of covering up could, you know, but the, it's, it, but then it's like, dude, you, you, if you knew you're damned, if you do and damned, if you yeah, don't, it's, man. it's like, if you secretly knew that your wife, you know, you and your wife like to party, you know, like just, just don't say anything. Just, yeah, just, just leave well enough alone. If people are calling her an alcoholic, this, uh, Hey man. You know, <laughs> you don't know my wife. That's it. If the shoe, if the shoe fits and, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, maybe he's in denial of what an alcoholic even is. What constitutes, what constitutes a drug addict? What constitutes an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. You know, in his mind, oh, she wasn't an alcoholic. Well, maybe you're also an alcoholic and you're in denial. So you think she wasn't. That, that's a possibility too. You know, like you can't tell me that motherfucker didn't drink after that I, accident. I also i also think that she had some other issues too it wasn't just strictly the the pain with the tooth i think there were other things that she was also dealing with like it's insinuated that her relationship with her mother was non-existent we don't know what the reason is there's even a friend who's like i know what happened but i'm not going to tell you and so it's like what is what what happened there like that's the question that i'm laughing is like what happened to diane's mom like what 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 was that like what happened with that relationship why did that relationship deteriorate so so much and she also had self-esteem issues i mean she was a camp she was you know the class clown but she had definitely still had body issues body image issues for most of her life until she lost weight and then sadly, you know, gained it back on. But, you know, when you have kids, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of rough to keep, you know, that kind of thing. Um, not everyone's like that, but, you know, there are a lot of instances where, you know, your body chemistry, a lot of these things just change after that. So, um, 
but it's just one of those things where, yeah, she probably had issues with that. And, and there's other mental, maybe some other mental health issues that were went un- undiagnosed. She didn't really deal with or deal with the grief of certain things or other stuff like that. And speaking of grief, like even the, what is it? Uh, the, the other gal that was uh, working with, uh, with uh, the, the husband throughout most of the documentary, like she's even talking about the husband later on. Like he just needs to deal with some grief. I like just needs to cry, you know, like, yeah, She's right in the money there. Yeah, and how he's being towards the surviving kid. You yeah. know, the kid would get emotional and start crying and say he's he misses everyone. And the dad's like, yeah, I do too. It's not going to change anything. So stop crying yeah. about it. This is life now. Uh-huh. And it's like, geez, dude, fucking dick. Like, that is not, that is not how a little kid wants to be talked to when they're grieving over something. No. That's not how you should really treat anyone yeah, who's I mean, grieving really, over something. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Whether it's a kid or an adult, that'd be like someone being like, get the fuck over your your dad. You know, he's dead. No, shut the fuck up. You know, you'd be like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, he admits that they, they had been drinking. The gas station employee whom Schuler asked for Tylenol around 11 a.m. also said, I knew for a fact that she wasn't drunk when she came to the station. Probably wasn't. Maybe she was a little high. Probably not drunk. According to Tom Ruskin, the investigator supposedly hired by Dana for $30,000, none of the McDonald's employees saw anything in Schuler's behavior to suggest she was intoxicated. In fact, she was observed carrying an extended conversation while ordering her food and orange juice. So here's another thing about intoxication and, and and alcoholics and stuff like that. Some people are remarkably good at hiding, uh, you know, some of that. Oh, I'm, um, I'm uh, one of those people. I'm like you. If you met me, you wouldn't know I was drunk unless I told you. Like I'm I'm really good mm-hmm. at you know holding my liquor. Yeah, but I, I I haven't run the wrong way on the fucking highway. So. No, <laughs> no. But I'm just saying that just saying that they didn't appear to be intoxicated doesn't necessarily mean that they weren't intoxicated and in some way or on or uh, having some sort of uh, effects of some drugs in their system either. Um, and and deal with the you know the whole thing like oh I, I I know my wife you know she's not an alcoholic like that's I mean I also find it curious <laughs> that she ordered orange juice at around you know hey. Maybe it wasn't for her. 11 a.m. It's for the kid. Oh, 11 a.m. Well, that might have been a breakfast thing, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> that's the least. Uh, that's the least of her worries. At well, this point. I, wasn't someone saying in? The, <coughs> sorry, wasn't someone saying in the documentary that she liked screwdrivers, which is vodka and orange juice? Oh, oh. That's what I'm saying. Mm. It's almost like some uh, pre-meditation there. There you go. All right, there is a point to that. Good one, Josh. Well, that's yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm. Fe- I'm not as dumb today <laughs> as I usually am. <laughs> Ruskin told reporters in September that he had interviewed relatives, none of whom had ever seen her in a drunken state. People were, <laughs> you know, you look at a lot of cases of alcoholics. There's a shit ton of them. Who hide it really well from their relatives. (laughs) Ruskin also pointed to autopsy results that showed an absence of organ damage for often found in alcoholics. Although an uninvolved medical examiner said such results do not rule out alcoholism. Especially if you just started 
she could have just started becoming an alcoholic. Like, if you just started doing that, like, I don't think that the organ damage would be that extensive. Two of the relatives had also disputed that Diane was known to drink heavily or irresponsibly. And, you know, this ties into the fact that she could have been hiding it, or maybe not. It's just, it's just, she fucked up. She just thought, oh, I'll have some of my, I'll have a screwdriver, and I'll be, um, the pain will go away, and I can still drive okay. And she definitely could not. So Daniel Schuler denied that his wife did drugs, but told investigators that his wife smoked marijuana only occasionally. And the family told People Magazine that she used it to relieve insomnia. So here's another thing. If she was smoking a lot of pot, I don't think he would have ever said the truth to investigators <laughs> or to the public. What would always kind of just play it off a little bit and be like, you know, she only did it a few times. She did it occasionally. Well, that's another thing, though. Like, you can do something occasionally, but in a case like this, if it... He might not know the occasionally... Like, the occasionally could actually mean, like, occasionally, like, once or twice a day. Well, in a case like this, <laughs> you, with something like this happening alcohol gets brought up and you know everyone's wanting something to blame for such a bizarre thing and it's like oh it was that or oh it was the weed i'm just playing devil's ad advocate here but i mean I, there there's a lot of times i feel like in uh, investigations like you know oh yeah they occasionally did this that and the other and then oh oh so so they did drink alcohol and then that becomes the focus of the investigation when it really should be on something else because by occasionally they really do mean occasionally but well that you know, could be the case that's just me again there are other instances where it isn't so that's why a lot of the investigators you know take that with a grain of salt so to speak so though although daniel Schuler was an officer in the public security unit in the nassau county police department he was not required to report his wife's drug use as he is a civilian in november it was reported that Schuler's sister-in-law had made a statement to police that she actually smoked marijuana on a regular basis okay unless you think that maybe her sister-in-law has a grudge against her i don't know but i don't know daniel schuler and attorney barbara believed that schuler drove erratically due to a medical issue such as a stroke no <laughs> according to barbara schuler was abuse ab obese for much of her life and suffered from diabetes, although additional sources cite that Schuler has only having gestational diabetes, a temporary condition related to a prior pregnancy rather than a chronic condition. Barbara has also mentioned an abscess that had persisted in her mouth for seven weeks before her death and a lump in her leg, about which she said it might have been an embolism. I love that. It might have been. You don't know. It might have been an embolism. But the results of an autopsy conducted by the Westchester County Medical Examiner one day after the accident found that Schuler had not suffered an aneurysm, a stroke, or a heart attack. So it wasn't an embolism. It might have just been a muscle knot, kind of like what you 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 dealt with. Well, an embolism is uh, that's suggesting the whole stroke thing. Yeah, but it clearly wasn't. <laughs> In September, New York's uh, top forensic pathologist said that a hair test should have been done to determine Schuler's drug history. 
Daniel Schuler and his lawyer announced plans to exhume the body to perform the hair tests and other examinations. Experts said that this was unlikely to produce any new information of value since tests from two separate labs came up with exactly the same conclusion. Schuler also intended to test fluid samples taken during the autopsy. The Westchester County Medical Examiner's Office, which performed the autopsy, said that the degradation of the fluids over time was likely to result in lowered alcohol and THC readings. However, several toxicology experts said the results should be similar to the previous test if the fluid samples had been properly stored. On November 7th, Ruskin announced that the Schuler family had raised money to retest Schuler's tissue samples and that the retesting would take place soon. In July 2010, it was reported that Daniel Schuler had accepted a $100,000 offer from a film company, Moxie Firecracker Films, to record his wife's exhumation for another HBO documentary. The money would reportedly be placed in trust for son, his son, Brian. Daniel Schuler's persistence in disputing his wife's intoxication and denying her drug use has been condemned by the relatives of three trailblazer victims. Of the three trailblazer victims. The fact that he accepted money for the ex- <laughs> exhumation... Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, well, I feel like he kind of had no choice. I mean, he, he he hired that Ruskin guy who was charging yeah. like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars here, there, and everywhere to uh, do all these various services, quote unquote. Yeah, that are disputed on whether they're actually done or not. I'm just trying to not. play the devil's advocate because you know some people look at it, go, oh, we accept the money. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it was literally just like he needed funds because like his funds were running out. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it's when Schuler appeared on CNN's Larry King Live to demand more testing of his wife's remains. Longo's brother, Joseph, issued a statement saying in part, I want Daniel Schuler to know that he keeps inflicting more pain on all the all concerned once again by going to the media to try to paint a picture of a perfect wife and mother. Bastardi's daughters appeared with their lawyer on NBC's Today during which they questioned Daniel's culpability, enabling his wife's substance abuse, and called him to undergo drug testing himself. It makes me angry that he keeps denying it, said Margaret Nicotina, Bastardi's daughter. Every time he does it, he brings it back for us. I just wish that he would just admit that she was drunk. Maybe if he knows what happened that morning, if they argued or anything, that would be the truth. He wants the truth, so do we. Their lawyer called Daniel Schuler's position totally outrageous and an insult to the intelligence of the American public and a hoax. <laughs> Ruskin said on the Oprah Winfrey show in October 2009 that Daniel Schuler had ap- avoided media appearances since Larry King Live out of respect to the Bastardi family. All right, that's good for good for him. It, it, in June it, 2010, yeah, it's pretty much just a situation where it's like, dude, just sit down and shut up, man. It's not gonna, yeah. it's not gonna look good for you, even if you're, even if you truly believe that your wife. Uh, had some kind of freak accident. It's like you you got to be smart enough to realize that the court of public opinion has ruled her guilty, and there's nothing you're gonna be able to do to change that because it's just at the end of the day, it's your opinion stacked against facts, mm-hmm. and your opinion is not going to change. Uh, you know the American people who can think for themselves and. You know, yeah. usually they rule like their 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 rulings on things can be dubious mm-hmm. if you go by juries and previous you know in yeah. some murder cases and all. So, but, yeah. but th- this 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 particular uh, bit just proves, in my opinion, without a doubt, that no, she was intoxicated. There was no, uh, there there's no denying that because in June of 2010, the New York State Police issued its final report on the accident following 11 months of analysis. The report upheld the previous toxicology findings that Schuler was highly intoxicated 
and had high levels of THC in her system at the time of the accident. Now, with the documentary, um, so you have uh, Dana Schuler and his attorney, Barbara, claim they gave investigator Ruskin $30,000 to conduct an independent investigation and retest samples. Throughout the documentary, Jay Schuler, Diane Schuler's sister-in-law, and husband Daniel Schuler claimed that Ruskin was not returning their phone calls for nine months. At the end of the documentary, Ruskin actually states that he had called her months ago with the results and that she refused to pick up her phone. She is seen claiming that she was told not to pick up and that she didn't understand any of it. Ruskin then informs her that his tests corroborated the previous tests and that Diane Schuler was highly intoxicated from alcohol and marijuana. Schuler's family, of course, persisted in refusing to accept the test results, which I don't get it, but all right. I guess, you know, grief does do some strange things to people, but it, at the same time, it's, come on, take your head out of the sand. So when it comes to my, my final thoughts to doc, on the documentary, I thought it was okay. Uh, I even thought, like, in terms of production value, in terms of, like, the technical aspects of the filmmaking, I thought uh, it was fairly mixed at times. Like, for some reason, the director... She she really decided to do a lot of extreme close-ups. Oh, Liz Garbus. I know. I did notice that. And a, and a lot of the times, it just it it looked really amateurish to me, because you could really see, on many instances, that she was like, "Oh shit!" Like that's too that's too zoomed in. I need to zoom out. And like she didn't even cut out the zoom out part. Like you see the camera zoom out. Yeah, like like when, I, when, the, I, when it's too zoomed. I don't in. really. The super zoom up to, or like the super close uh, framing of someone's on the face. Uh, of someone's face, that can be effective sometimes in documentaries. But if you're do there was an overabundance. If, of there's, that if there's too much of it, it's like none of these people are particularly good looking. I don't need to see their ugly ass <laughs> faces this goddamn close. Like, especially if I'm trying to eat something. Like Jesus, yeah. like get these ugly, fat middle aged well, faces out of my TV. <laughs> I don't feel that way about it. That's not that, why I, I think get it's grossed not out, man. I don't like seeing For people's faces me, I just, up close. I just think it's just it's ineffective because it just looks amateurish because it's just too far close up, and then you have the the titles of who they are covering their faces. It's like that. It just looks it's it, just from a professional standpoint. It does not look very professional. And I hated that they just used the same stock music that I've heard in like every docu true crime documentary with the piano or whatever, like nothing original or different. Like with Paradise Lost, they use Metallica's music, you know, and they use a few stock bits here and there, but like at least they went, did something different, you know, with the Metallica score. But like, this is just like, I swear to God, I hear that piano score, like in everything. I, it's the same piece of music that I've heard in like a ton of other documentaries kind of comes across as a little lazy if you ask me yeah well and overall i just felt it was just too much of an emphasis on schuler and his what is his sister-in-law yeah, is that who uh -huh. it is and the family and butthead. denial after denial after denial and initially it was kind of interesting to just see the lengths that some people will go to after a tragic event that involved a loved one and was something that was as horrific as this this incident was, but then it just got old after a while, and it, it kept my interest. It really spiked my it piqued my interest quite a bit when it's revealed that there was a 
absolute vodka bottle that was found in the car, in the van, uh, after the crash. Because then I was like, ooh, okay, all right. Well, I, I think she was drinking. I think we can definitely say that was true. And then when they talked about the different witnesses who were involved and saw the car going the wrong way and the people who showed up and the most powerful stuff for it when it comes to the documentary is definitely the last 20 minutes or so, last 15, 20 minutes that are, that are detailing the people who showed up at the scene of the crime, you know, uh, the scene of the crime and the crash and uh, detailing all their stories involved with that and so on and so forth. Overall, though, it's just kind of a little bit kind of forgettable in some ways, but at the same time, glad I saw it because the case is it, it is interesting in the way that it shows you a clear cut example of how everything can go awry, how things can f just totally go completely wrong and sideways <gasps> in a matter of moments and how just this, just these, just a combination of, of, of things can just lead to just sudden and just completely devastating events and how in this particular instance, what was wrong with Diane was she was, I, I've said it many times and I'll say it again. She was dealing with pain she didn't deal with it the right way, which is get that taken care of, which was to her detriment and to the detriment of everyone else that was in that van and everyone else that died or was injured by her decision not to get her tooth taken care of or some other mental health issues that she might have been dealing with or if she was potentially an alcoholic not dealing with that. Or if she really was smoking marijuana every day, not dealing with that either. So it's one of those things that just shows you that, you know, much like a lot of other things, it just really puts a spotlight on how you should get your shit together. Get your shit together. If you're dealing with something and it's bothering you, fix it. Don't let it fester. Don't ignore it. Don't try to figure out a way that you can move on or try to live with it or do something else about it, you know, or uh, just fix it. Right. Because if you don't, you can have, you can be driving the wrong way down like the this. highway. <laughs> yes. You can be driving the wrong way and you will be going the wrong way in life for sure. All right, Mike, that was some good, that was some good uh, proselytizing there. Um, that That is as all time I unfortunately have for this podcast. I've got to go and host some trivia. So we're going to have to cut it off. Um, guys, a call to action. If if I can get you to do this, um, our iTunes reviews have been we've got like three or four bad ones in a row recently. You know, this podcast, as if you love listening to this podcast, you well know at this point that. We have a certain format that we follow where we, you know, tell you about our lives, tell you about what we're going through at the beginning of the podcast. And then the second half of the podcast, we kind of get to the mystery. We never build it like that in the early days. But if you look at it, that's how it's always been. And there's people who've been listening to our podcast recently who just don't understand that for some reason. And they feel the need to be a dick and go leave one and two star reviews, you know, pretty much 
like lambasting our podcast because oh it takes too long to get to the mysteries or oh too much chit chat or oh this oh that whatever you can go and look at your for yourself and our rating has now gone to a 3.5 star rating instead of a four star rating and uh that's bullshit because we have more listenership now than we ever have uh we're getting a god almost lately we've been getting almost like 5,500 to 6,000 listens per week so if if our podcast was that shitty then we would be getting less listeners not more listeners so if you guys are listening uh if you could just take a moment if you have itunes i know a lot of you don't and i mean i guess you know don't worry about it if you don't have itunes but if you have itunes if you just go and leave us like a if you enjoy this podcast that is if you don't enjoy it fuck off but if you do enjoy it then if you just go and leave why would they be listening to this Dude, right sometimes now? it seems like people are just listening to hate i don't know but if you go and leave us a good review oh like the people who always give me thumbs down on my video you yeah know, on my videos just because they just don't like me. yeah exactly like oh i'm gonna you know i don't know what but yeah if you enjoy <laughs> this podcast please go and give us a good review on itunes and and help bump us up in our ratings because this is, you know, this podcast has been going on for a long time, and a lot of people have expressed so much enjoyment of it. Uh, I just don't feel like it deserves to get uh, have a low rating uh, to on iTunes or anywhere else. This is this is Josh's thing. Like for me, like I I I mean, it, it's it's not the best thing in the world, but like it's not the worst thing in the world to me. Like I don't really care about ratings, but that's just me personally. I guess it's part of because I've been on YouTube for so long. And it's just like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> but you know, it would help. It would be nice. Well, it just looks it would better. Definitely, definitely make, <laughs> it would look better for sure. Better optics. Well, not only that, but like <laughs> if a new user is coming to check out our, our podcast, you know, and then not only that, yeah. but recommendations and all that, it just helps our podcast mm-hmm. grow if we have better ratings. That's all. Uh, I am, I am so out of time right now. If you want to check us out on YouTube, you can follow Mike at youtube.com slash OCP communications. Uh, he he reviews movies, and uh, we don't have time to talk about what you most recently reviewed. I'll just say it briefly. I reviewed season one of Tales from the Crypt. So if you like that show, definitely check there that out. There you go. Out. And you can check out my channel, youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. I talk about music, uh, TV shows, and more. Uh, the last video I did uh, was about uh, no Tom DeLong, no Blink-182. I feel like Blink-182's new tour... It was a good rant. Yeah, I feel like Blink-182's new lineup and tour is bullshit. I'm tired of them parading around for the last few years with, uh, Matt Skiba in the band instead of Tom DeLong. <laughs> I love how you say that. I, that guy's last <laughs> name sounds so douchey. Matt Skiba! It's like, it's like, no, that's not, that's not Blink-182. That's Mark Hoppus, Travis, and some guy named Matt. That is not Blink-182. If Tom DeLonge is not in the band, it's, it's not fucking Blink-182. It's just Blink-18. Or... <laughs> Blink-18. Blink-18. It's not Blink-182. So you don't have all three members. It's only Blink-18. So anyway, if you want to hear me rant more about that, go check out my channel. Uh, all that will be in the description of this podcast as well, if you guys forget. Uh, have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, my new album, Hex, is finally available on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else where music can be found. Also, we still have our special edition physical CD available at bandcamp.com. Check the link in the description of this podcast. Now enjoy some of the samples from my new CD. 
But you're still